So the phrase to consider is <coughs> saying in the Buddha, this is sublime, this is peaceful, stilling of sankharas, the abandoning relinquishment of all foundations or substructures. This is the upadi, is the substructure of birth and rebirth. It's the basically the sense of self, I am. This is the thing that everything gets structured around. Good, bad, praise, blame, happiness, unhappiness happening to me. I'm And I'm doing something. Me, I, it's a trampoline. You know, you bounce down, you hit the me. Because you hit the me, you bounce up as the I am, you know. <laughs> yeah. It's like something lands on me, therefore I get it. You know, boom, boom. <laughs> now, once you once that's there, that foundation, that that's the trampoline. You know, you're bound to whatever goes down is bound to bounce back again. You're bound to get this sense of contact hits you, therefore there's a response. Yeah. So it's always going to be doing that. Dunk, dunk. You know, some of it's good. A lot of it's good. Some of it's not so good. Some of it's confused. You know, don't know what to do can't get the bounce right. But, uh, you know, essentially we're trying to get our, our movements right, so we're getting good effects and good causes, good effects, good causes. That's the first level. We're hitting that trampoline in the right way, steady, calm, mindful. And then uh, the release is just the, the uh, taking it away, release, just take the trampoline away. You don't have to come bouncing back. Because <laughs> that that bounce that goes on not just moment to moment it goes on from one life to the next. Boom, boom. <laughs> so what we're left with as a result acts as the springboard for the next action, and that's exactly what rebirth's about. So you can witness that and the energies that go into that. Yeah. And we might, you know, we might think there is stilling of activities. Actually, it doesn't, doesn't say get rid of activity, just stilling. Calming it down. And removing the substrate. Now, actually, this is, um, you know, in a way it's quite easy, simple. But it's not easy. Because it's really just working on this sense of, of me and I am, which is not always verbal, a lot of it's reflexive, instinctive, because that's the, exactly the way that consciousness is set up. This happens to me, therefore I do. I shrug it off, I block it, I defend myself, I grab it, I respond as best I can to it. Hmm? It's calming that down. Now, the interest, the wonderful thing is that the, that, uh, the Dhamma's on our side, so that if we do still the process and look at it more clearly and dispassionately, it starts to unravel by itself. You, know, you can't, there's no way in which one can get rid of me because there's going to be another me doing it, isn't there? So it's not, it's not annihilation, but just almost relaxation and self-acceptance and equanimity and dispassion. These are the things that are recommended, which is a non-reactivity and a, 
a non-blaming, a non-accumulation. Whatever's been, that's finished, let it pass. Yeah. You know, we're trying to just practice that, like on the micro level, one breath. Got it wrong the last time, doesn't matter. Really doesn't matter, it can't matter. You just do it now. It can't matter. It's imp- Everything matters and nothing matters. It, only thing that matters is right now, you know, and there's no accumulation in that. We're not even trying to get it right, we're just trying to be true and hold attention carefully, caringly. And you've got a thousand times a day to do that at least. Yeah. And it, you're getting so that you realize if you hold it too hard, too tight, you get uptight, frustrated then you get that result. Too loose, you get drifting, dream, you get that result. Somewhere there's a balance which starts to come in whereby you're able to just, you know, you hit the ground or whatever it is and just, it doesn't matter, here we are. There's that trust, you know, a kind of faith, a non-comment, self-acceptance. Accepting the result, accepting it, letting it go. So you're not building up anything really, apart from building up, if you like, a quality of acceptance and letting go. (laughs) Tuning into that particular chord, that, that key. Yeah, in what we're doing. So the stilling of activities, now when we think activities or sankharas really isn't such a good word for it, formations is often used, that can give one the sense of it's too stuck, it's too rigid, activity seems like it's really frantically moving around, it's not, it's, it's subtle activities like contact is an activity. It means something is placed. Something places something, a sound or a sight, in a memory. It refers to that sound is gong. Something does that. That's contact. Yeah? There are two kinds of contact. One is the contact just comes through the senses, external senses. You're touching something. So you know you're touching something. It's not like nothing. There's definitely a contact there. Second kind, designation contacts, is, oh, that's the carpet. That's the floor. Yeah. And it goes on. It goes, that's a nice carpet. That's a warm floor. That's cold. That's wet. Oh, I feel uncomfortable. And, you know, it builds up. You get a lot of resonances around that. And then why is it always so cold here? You know? <laughs> You know, so it builds up into into a lot. There's a lot of resonances and echoes. Yeah. And and the more, because it's placing it in an area of our our meaning, our felt meaning. What's what really gets me? Yeah. What really gets me. Which, of course, it's uh, subjective. 
I mean, a lot of it's around food, taste, drink, you know, I can drink some tea and think, God, what is this swill, you know? <laughs> Coffee will make decent tea. <laughs> you know, because you can develop certain idiosyncrasies and tastes and things like that, so, you know. Or, uh, so I do a, quite a bit of editing work, I get quite picky around spelling and grammar and stuff like that. And I remember one time just, um, or typefaces, one time I was doing this book on, on meditation practice, and I was looking at this, the way the word Nibbana and non-attachment, looking at this word non-attachment, you know, the sans-serif font is much nicer. You know, I don't really, this word Nibbana, if we could just kind of change the font a little bit, you know, you suddenly get attached to the very word Nibbana. <laughs> Not even the, the idea, but just the way it's written. <laughs> Actually, isn't the meaning more important than the font? <laughs> you know, you get these kind of particular things you develop so that you can find yourself devastated by a font. <laughs> you know, it's talking about peace and tranquility. You find yourself, you know... In a, in a desperate state because you don't like the leading. <laughs> so another person says, "Hey, this is wonderful stuff. Look at the guy. You know, it's wonderful. This description of practice, meditation practice, really beautiful, flowing thing." Yeah, but look, he spelt the word practice wrong. Yeah, we didn't put a diacritical on the above the a. So you know, what do we take as our contact? We're both seeing the same thing. And yet, people are taking up different aspects of that. And some things that other people are not disturbed by, one person can feel very disturbed by. Food is a big thing. Obviously, dressing, the way we dress, um, sometimes people's accents, you know, you can get strong feelings about or create resonances. And of course, the most, the most, touchy thing is other people because the more deeply something you feel for something the more highly calibrated your contact impressions are so around the way we speak and gestures and body language could be a lot of sensitivity there and people could be picking up all kinds of things you know that was a pretty gruff way you spoke to me what i was just being clear you know um, so all these contact impressions, and they are really you see that these are the this is what's happening. Something, a sound, a sight is being placed in a very evocative area. That's our karma. Yeah. So the stilling of that, just okay, hearing, seeing, touching. You know, you don't know. Just let it rest there. And you notice also the I am's, the me sense that comes as the result of, uh, say, other people's behavior. Oh, I'm the idiot. I'm the person who gets left out. I'm the person who, you know, we go into a bit of story again. It touches something in us and our old history comes up. That's contact. It's not nothing. That's a big activity. And there... You can see the springboard, you see the trampoline. Something comes in, it hits one of these places, and boom, we're bouncing. So where's the stilling of that? Just This is contact. 
And who is it happening to, actually? It seems to be happening to, to me. You know, just, just calm that reflex. It's happening to hearing. It's happening to the mind. It's happening to... And it's starting to throw a, a, a searchlight on... Oh, it's happening to the wounded bit. It's happening to the needy bit. It's happening to the grateful bit. It's happening to the, um, you know, whatever it is. It's happening to, not to a me, but to, you know, a piece of territory, you might say, or a piece of mental foundation. Could be, you know, the one who's approved of or liked, that's nice when something touches one of those, you feel lifted, and then something goes the other way and you feel knocked down again. <laughs> yeah. It wouldn't it be nice not to be just so so caught by all all that. Mm-hmm. Of course, the thing is, some of it likes the good stuff. Therefore, we get knocked by the bad stuff. That's the, that's the, that's the story. So, just stilling, calming that process of being affected, being touched, being something happening, and then just checking what really is happening. And remember always, you just don't don't know somebody else. We can very easily picture them as the the rebel or the boss or the manipulator or whatever it is, you know, or my, you know, my support, the person who's giving me support. You just don't know. You know, you... How do you know somebody else? We notice how quickly those figures can arise in the mind because that's our karma. We just stop that. Still that. It's just calm. Because you can't, even if it's true, even if it's 100% true, you can't do much about it now. Likelihood is it's got some truth. 5%, 20%. 60% maybe, but it's always some. It's got something in it. The main thing, you know, you look, you know is what are you going to do? You know? Maybe the thing to do is just to feel the sense of being, you know, disappointed or confused or hurt. And, well, let's just relax that. That's what I can do sometimes. Can't always do that. <laughs> a stilling at the point of contact so that the, the impulse doesn't have to rise up if it rises up it doesn't just keep bouncing up and down it just does one bounce and then we just okay it's enough now mm-hmm. so you just gradually you know incrementally decreasing the bouncing till maybe you know we're not going on for an hour about it. We're just going on for a couple of minutes and then maybe just 10 seconds and then maybe, you know, okay, enough. Mm-hmm. That's, that's stilling. 
graduated process. And probably most effectively, in a way, is, is when we're doing this internally. The comment, the sense we build up about ourselves, for good or for bad. Our image, our felt sense, doesn't necessarily, not a coarse image, it can be just a felt sense of, you know, feeling well-meaning, you know, aspirant, uh, grateful, trying, you know, whatever it is. And uh, who, who's that? Is it possible just to notice, you know, almost ask the question, just put some light on that, rest in that? And you see, just that by itself, uh, this sense of dispassion and equanimity as a way of, it takes the bounce out of it. It takes the, takes the, 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 you know, the, it, it just becomes, oh, it's just that. It's just, the, it's just an impress, it's just an atmosphere. It's an aramana, it's a mood, it's a sense. You don't have to not have it. But it's just that, okay. We're not really doing cosmetic job on that. Okay. It's probably got some truth in it. Yeah. My my observation is that it's never true, never really true, and I think any one of us, perhaps, would say, you know, the the way we depict ourselves can sometimes be really, really graceless, and uh, some of it terrible, terrible um, way of lacerating and always seeing the bad in themselves. Quite a common failing. We say, well, okay, yeah, but you know. It was good to recognize the Buddha said, you know, if you've killed your mother or your father um, or you've killed an arahant or, or slashed or wounded a targeter or caused a schism in the sangha, then you can't get enlightened. Otherwise, you're okay. <laughs> so you just do the checklist. Mother, nope. Father, nope. The targeter, haven't seen arahant, don't think so. Cause the schism in the sangha. No, okay, you're on a winner. The rest of it is just details, you know. Just a little bit of tidying up to do, tweak. Mostly, it's just uh, taking oneself too too seriously. You might say, <coughs> you know. And it's acknowledging some of these perceptions, the intimidation, the subjugation, the entitlement, the, you know, the one who I haven't been dealt rightly, you know, unjust. And breathing in, breathing out. So we kind of just sort of, okay, that's everyone has one of these, I'm sure. With some truth in it. But, you want to make that a foundation for rebirth? It's, it's up to it's up to you, isn't it? It's up to each of us. So the delight in again, because we can easily delight in the virtues and the goodness that we do, and. Uh, uh, 
certain stage of the practice that's really important just to balance neurotic obsession with, with weakness. But after a while you get more balance, you think you just let the good be the good. It doesn't have to be held, stored. There's a certain modesty, humility of, well, it's just the good was happening. Wonderful. The good was happening for me. The good flowed through me. Wonderful. I'm grateful. You know, it's not I did it. It's the good flowed through me. You know, on another day, in another situation, something less good might have happened. People do lose it. So we look contemplating the agency also as not self. The agency, the intention, the one who carries it out is good karma. You know? And you know, there's been some skills happening there, wonderful. You know? Keep those skills need to be kept alive and alert. It helps them actually if they don't get locked and owned. Keeps them lighter, more agile. You start getting a bit sort of, I am about it all. It gets rather, starts the conceit builds up, and it gets a little more uh, clumsy and pompous. And then the bad that's happening through me, okay, you know, is it we? You say we're not acting on it, good. We're witnessing it, good. And then you start to contemplate this is just the bad, the unskillful. To be known, to be learnt from, seeing in oneself helps one to be more compassionate and tolerant towards others. And uh, just by relinquishment, forgiveness, relinquishment, practicing the Brahma Vihara kindness, compassion, and so forth. Getting more spacious about it all. So these contact impressions don't have to solidify. And those that are solid, you just keep melting them with calm and with kindness. Otherwise they will tend to be a self-fulfilling prophecy. You know, as because these contact impressions start to dominate how we attend to things. Because I feel, you know, I'm a bad person, I, my attention goes out to notice all the things I do wrong, rather than notice things I don't do wrong. In fact, I haven't killed a Tathagata today. Yesterday I didn't kill a Tathagata. Or the day before. In fact, probably never do it in my entire life. That's a good point, isn't it? How many Tathagatas have you killed today? Hmm? <laughs> you notice that? Your non-killing of Tathagatas? <laughs> Father, mother, you might have felt like it at times. But... So the fault-finding mind, which comes from this negative perception, sees the things, well, you know, I burnt the rice, or I put the agile sitting cloth down wrong, or I messed up the chanting, or I got caught up in greed and aversion. Mm. So. Real important, the, uh, in all this self-acceptance, which doesn't mean not going to do anything. Well, it does mean that, actually, but it means that things are allowed to change, but it's not... Um, 
it's changed in accordance with Dhamma. So, as I say, there's this beautiful thing that the Dhamma does help us. It supports those who support it. And just by the sense of open, honest, non-reactivity, there is a power of change. Change happens by itself. It's not some mysterious agency. Because these conditions are innately ephemeral and impermanent. They're not solid. They're not who you are. So if we rest in that balance of Dhamma, they will do their thing, which is they will unravel and unfold. That's their nature. That's what they want to do. That's what they're inclined. That's what they will do. It's only the meddling and the obsessiveness that keeps re-establishing them and locking them in place. So quite a bit of Dhamma practice is almost just letting things wear out. Finding this healing process, you could say, just sitting in the Dhamma and stilling oneself from the, maybe, you know, wanting to get it all finished and wanting to be an ace meditator, wanting to get it all sorted, that kind of understandable, sometimes a little bit idealistic impatience. Just to, you know, and accepting that not, you know, the classical meditator, you're not the most patient person, you're not this, <laughs> you know, you should be. Uh, just notice all that and resting so that these phenomena by themselves start to loosen. One of the is the attainment, is the of a, of a stream entry, is the attainment of of a complete faith, confidence in Dhamma. They still got, they still got a degree of greed and aversion, restlessness, conceit, so forth. But what they have established is a sense of real faith in Dhamma. It's not going to come from an I am position it's going to come from this surrendering sense of self as a phenomenon rather than as a possession and then these dhammas the phenomena themselves start to unravel so say the image is rather like putting something in water letting it dissolve some stuff is very uh, seems very stuck so, of course, if there is the, the deeper, the samadhi, the samadhi definitely has a very strong beneficial effect. The kindness, a very strong beneficial effect. These are the two main streams of practice. You sit, put it in there, the me sense. So when you practice something like self-acceptance, you witness these streams of thought, these particular processes of here he is again, you know, restless or angry or whatever. Slow it down, contemplate. The process is process. It's called um, 
you know, what is it? Be mindful of dhammas as dhammas. Dhammas are mental processes. This is a dhamma as a dhamma, not as a self as a dhamma. What does it do? How does it feel? Where does it go? And there's just somebody taking that, the, the thing that we really perhaps need to develop as a single theme is where's the position? Where's the point at which that can, that is a true statement, not just a, a hope? What's the kind of sense of detachment or dispassion that places our regard at that position whereby we just can actually witness a dhamma as a dhamma? Now that position itself, its non-attachment, dispassion, will by itself already defuse a huge amount of stuff. If it's consistently carried out, that itself, just that position, you know, a particular state, you might say. Dispassion is not an activity, it's a state, a resultant state, uh, like an insight uh, knowledge, state of consciousness. So that itself will... When I've got a big thing I've got to make or be, or some big tragedy I've got to get over, it's just stuff. Take deflating that intensity of self. That already, I'm just a, just an ordinary person, really. You know, some good, some bad. You know, like everybody else. And, oh well, that's you know, come and get over it. You know. <laughs> This is why this uh, sequence is taught, detachment or non-involvement, dispassion, ripening, in ceasing, just the ceasing of that story and perhaps even the ceasing of that contact, that instant pinning of something into a me sense. It's just, just the thing. So it doesn't, the pin doesn't have to place it on your notice board anymore. Relinquishment, giving up the notice board. So really, you know, we don't really know who we are or what we are. It's not about knowing who you really are, it's about knowing what you're not. And uh, the mind is then open, it's available, because it means we're not defending ourselves against being touched or contacted, because we can let it pass through. We're not hungering for contact because we we can be in the openness. Mm-hmm. This is this is peaceful. This is sublime. This is why the Buddha teaches it. <laughs>